0: But if you have a Bible, I want you to turn over to Luke chapter number 22. Luke 22, and then hold your place there, and then we're going to flip over to 1 Peter chapter 3 after we read this. But as you're turning there, let's just pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here in your presence. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the people of God. Thank you for the presence of God. We, we bless you, Lord, and we worship you. I pray that you would speak to us today. Cause the word to come alive in our hearts. Sharpen our spirits. Strengthen us, Lord. Help us to draw near and close to you. Help us to love you more. To love you better. To love you first. To love you most. God, I just pray your blessing upon your word this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I want to talk to all of us, and specifically with the graduating seniors. You know, I wanted to preach um, something that is just super encouraging, super motivating, inspiring, all of those things. But the Lord kept laying on my spirit... This subject of shaking like Clay was talking about. Now more than ever, things are starting to shake and they're going to shake increasingly more violently as the coming of the Lord approaches. I'm excited for these seniors, but I'm also burdened for them. I'm excited about the future But I'm also concerned about it for folks as well. If you read any books, if you look at any of the research that's been done concerning uh, the next generation, there is an all-out attack upon them that is multi-layered, multi-leveled, from the cradle to the grave strategy to... Not just to attack this generation, but to completely destroy the generation. And I believe it's because the devil sees the potential of what they may be, what they can be, what they will be if they're not hindered. But let's read before I get too far into this. Luke chapter number 22. We're going to start reading at verse 31. Jesus is speaking to Simon Peter in this verse, and he says, And the Lord said... Simon, Simon. Now the Lord never says anything twice. He doesn't have to say anything twice. But if he does say the same thing twice in Scripture, I can promise you there is extra emphasis on what he's trying to communicate. He really wants Peter to have Peter's attention so that he would listen to what he has to say concerning him. And so he says, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. The King James translation says, has desired you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Now notice what he prays for. He doesn't pray that he doesn't have to go through trials. He doesn't pray that he would overcome adversity. He doesn't pray that he would escape uh, temptation, he prays specifically for Peter in one specific area. And notice what he says here. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen the brethren. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now First Peter chapter... Number one, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. To everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on when our faith is challenged. When our faith is challenged. Now, as our seniors are preparing to leave for college in the fall, I want you to know that everything that they have been taught, everything that they have believed in, Everything that is true and right and honorable is going to be tested. Not just tested, but it's going to be severely tested. There's going to be a lot of extra time on their hands. There's going to be uh, n- new freedoms that they're going to experience, new relationships that they're going to encounter, uh, new areas of, of life, a whole entire new lifestyle is going to be presented. They're, they're going to have to transition and adjust. Many of them, they're, they're, they're going from being a a, a, a young girl to, to a woman, a boy and to the man. There's a time where they're trying to discover not just what they want to do with their life but who they are so this is a very important period of time in their life and they're seeking to improve the quality of their life their education their job opportunities their skills their careers all of these things are are major major issues in their life and they're going to take their first step into that starting in the fall but everything that they know to be true and right and honorable everything that they've taught everything that that they have believed in they've learned and especially their faith their faith is going to be tested like it has never been tested before in their lives everything that they have viewed as holy and sacred they're going to be challenged it's going to be scrutinized everything that they have viewed the way that they view things like morality sexuality um Uh, abortion uh, the existence of God absolute truth all of those things are going to be challenged and specifically attacked eternally significant issues are going to be challenged they're going to be uh, put on display they're going to have to decide what they're going to do if they're going to stand they're going to be at crossroads at other areas of their life and, and if they don't have a firm foundation on the Word of God, my concern is that they might fall away. I mean, one year specifically, I was thinking about this, one year specifically, we had around 36 seniors graduate uh, in, in our church. And they were brilliant beautiful young people, incredible potential. And I got to thinking about this the other day, and as I was thinking about this, I know of multiple double digits uh, 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 concerning this group of, of young people that graduated high school went on to college that they are no longer going to church at all. And not just that, there's a handful of them that have renounced the faith. They have renounced faith in Jesus. They, they label themselves as either atheists or agnostics. Uh, these people that were raised in church, these people that uh, know what it's like to... Pre- people who have read the Bible, you, you know the, the quality of their life, you know the evidence, you see the truth of uh, by the way that they live their life. They are no longer in church. They have renounced the faith, they have renounced Jesus, they've renounced uh, religion as a whole, and, and they label themselves or consider themselves atheists or agnostics. But this group of young people that we have that have graduated... As they transition into college life, everything that they've been taught, that they've built their life and their faith upon is going to be violently shaken to the point that they're going to be forced to make decisions. And we must pray that they make the right decisions that their foundation in the faith is strong enough to endure and persist and to battle through so that they do not lose their faith Jesus prays for Peter and he says Satan has targeted you he has a desire for you his desire is to sift you his desire is to cause you to walk away to fall away from the faith he said but I pray for you that your faith Faith not fail. Specifically, we need to be praying for our young people that their faith not fail. Because, again, everything that they believe theologically, doctrinally, everything that they've been taught from Sunday school and Bible school and children's church and youth ministry and in adult church, everything that they've been taught is going to be challenged, scrutinized, and attacked. And if they don't have a firm foundation... They may fall away. They may walk away. They may renounce the faith. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because it's happened all throughout history. Great universities like Harvard and Yale, Princeton, Columbia, all of these these education institutions, these colleges, these universities, they were founded for the specific purpose of propagating the gospel throughout America. These universities that were founded upon the Word of God, these universities that were built for the purpose, that have vision, their goal, their their, their highest priority was to spread the gospel throughout all of America. Now today in 2019, they have abandoned the faith. They have now become the most secular, the most liberal, the most anti-God institutions in our nation. They have committed apostasy. They have uh, walked away. They have fallen away. They have detached themselves. They have renounced themselves. They are becoming some of the most anti-God institutions in our nation. And... They have fallen away and even walked away from the faith. But what I'm talking about is not just something that applies to seniors, to our young people, to our graduates. It applies to every one of us here because sometime in the future, a day is coming when all of us will have to know what we believe, why we believe it, and in whom we believe It's not enough to to have sound doctrine, to know sound doctrine, to know right doctrine, to have right theology, to to know how to operate in the context of of church. Church can create a culture where we know how to respond, we know what to say, we can become very, very uh, comfortable in the environment of church, but there's a whole different thing when it comes to knowing who Jesus is. It's possible to know the book of the Lord and not necessarily know the Lord of the book. The Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. He not just had right theology, right doctrine, right revelation. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But he said, I know the one that this whole thing is wrapped up in and who this whole thing is completely about. And so the day is coming when we're going to have to know not just what we believe but in whom we believe. That's why Jude wrote in verse 3 of the book of Jude, he said, I have written to warn you, listen, I have written to warn you about this that you should earnestly contend for the faith. He said, I wrote this to warn you and I'm issuing a warning today. Not out of a, a, a fear, a, a fearful spirit. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to uh, manipulate you through fear. But I am, I feel strongly in my spirit that I need to warn you that your faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be challenged. Your faith is going to be put into question. And you're going to experience attacks like you've never experienced in your life. And I won't explain this to you here. Uh, just in a minute. But he said, we have to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, the faith that he's talking about is not just saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, a lot of people view Christianity as a ticket to heaven. That's all they consider. You know, they, they come to church because they want to go to heaven. They come to church because uh, the Bible says they ought to come to church. They made Christianity a single issue that is wrapped up in getting to go to heaven But that's not all there is in the Bible that we are to contend for Yes, we need to know in whom we have believed. Yes, we need to have our hearts changed Yes, we need to repent. Yes, we need to be saved. Yes, we need to uh, do what is right But he said you have to earnestly contend for the faith now The faith he's talking about is not just faith in Jesus Christ, but faith in the entirety of the Bible. Faith in the entirety of the Bible. And I want to give you three things. This is in your outline this morning concerning contending for the faith. And the first thing that I want to say, I'm going to make a very controversial statement, but I'm not making this statement to be controversial I'm making the statement because I believe it needs to be said. The first thing I want to talk about, if you can put that slide up if it's working, is the danger of falling away. Now, I'm not a debater. I used to be a debater, but I'm no longer a debater because the truth is when we debate things among Christians, when brothers fight brothers, only the devil wins. Okay? But... There is a group of people that believe that once somebody gets saved, that they are eternally secure forever. Now, hear me out. Another way of saying it is once saved, always saved. Now, hear my heart when I say this. I want to believe that is true. I really do. I really want to believe that that is truth. But I'm not 100% convinced that it is. I'm going to explain that to you just in a moment. But I've had people leave the church before over this particular question. I've had people say, there's no way I could sit underneath a pastor that did not believe in eternal security. I believe in eternal security in the point that as long as we continue to follow Jesus... That we're going to be safe and make it safe and secure all the way into heaven. But there's just too many scriptures in the Bible that tell me something completely otherwise. It's, It's important that you know that it is possible for people to commit apostasy. It is possible for people to abandon and forsake the faith. Now, the word apostasy means to fall away, defect, forsake, and depart from the faith. Here's one of the scriptures of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, The Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times what some shall depart from the faith. So that requires us to ask the question What is the faith? The Bible says there is one faith, one God, one Lord, uh, one church, one Baptist. He he is God over all. So it says here that in the latter days there will be... A departing of the faith. People will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's there's one scripture. Hebrews 3 verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief. Notice what it says. Departing from the living God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 says, That before the second coming of the Lord, that there will be a great falling away, and forsaking and departure from the faith. That, that's what it says. He says, there will be a great falling away. It's the word apostasy. It says, there's going to be those that fall away. So I want you to know, in my heart, I believe that it is possible for somebody to fall away from the faith, but not by accident. I think it's possible for somebody to come to the point that actually believed and then after they have had an experience, a lot of people become delusional when suffering begins to take place in their life. They ask questions like, how could a good God that is all-powerful allow such suffering in the world? That's the number one thing that people consider when it comes to religion, Christianity that they want to abandon and reject immediately is how, if God is good, could he allow such bad things to happen? Now, I'm not going to preach on that. I just want to present that to you. If you're taking notes, let me give you a few other scriptures to, to write down and look at when you leave here. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, and 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. There's more scriptures that I can give you, but I'm saying I want you to look at these. Don't take my word for what I'm saying. You need to study the scriptures and know for yourself what I'm talking about. And so there is a danger, the danger is real. The danger is happening, and according to Scripture, it is going to increase and go on the rise before the second coming of the Lord. Now, there's been credible research groups like the Barna Group, the Southern Baptist Convention, and the Assembly of God denominations that back what I am saying to you concerning falling away. Now, go to the next slide. Look at this. This is what they're finding. I'm not talking about some Joe Blow out here. I'm not talking about some, uh, some group of people or a person that's just trying to be conf- uh, co- confrontational uh, or, or to, you know, to, to cause some kind of a stink. Go back to the next one uh, before that one. Listen to this. This is what this group of people discovered in their research. That 90% of youth active in high school church programs drop out of church by the time they are sophomores in college. And if you need to know the the references, the resources that I got this from, see me after church, I'll be more than happy to to show you what I'm talking about. And let me tell you something, does this concern you? I mean, it terribly concerns me. It burdens me deeply because, you know, that's not just a statistic to me. I know people that were once in our church that once they graduated high school, went on to college. Some of them are doctors today that have abandoned, forsaken, defected away. And that concerns me because those people are not statistics to me. They're people I love. People I care about. So the danger's real. The danger is happening. And according to credible sources, it's epidemic. Epidemic. Another statistic that, that I read said that 88% of the Children raised in a Christian home never return back to the church after they graduate high school. 88%. I mean, something is going very wrong within the church, specifically among our young people today. So the danger is real. Here's the second thing I want to tell you about. The second thing is the delusion of falling away. The delusion of falling away. The word delusion means something that is believed to be true or real but that is actually false or unreal. A false ascribing of reality based on what one sees or imagines. One of the warnings Jesus issued to his disciples in Matthew 24 about his second coming. Actually, the first warning he gave before he talks about wars and rumors of wars, before he talks about earthquakes and pestilences, uh, before he talks about all these things that have happened, the very first thing in the list of things that he discusses when he warns his disciples, he says, take heed, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. We tend to focus on earthquakes and, and world events and, and, and prophecies taking place. But he says the thing that, that you're going to see first as a forerunner, a precursor to all these things that are going to happen is major deceptions going to take place. It's happening within the church. Many high-profile pastors, mainstream denominations, are abandoning the faith. And when I say the faith, I'm talking about the entirety of the Word of God. Not just faith in Jesus, the entirety of the Word of God. And they're, they're delusional. Look what it says here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. If our children are not prepared, if they've not built their lives upon the foundation of God's Word, if they don't know what they believe and why they believe it, then when their faith is challenged by the ideas, listen, of humanism, atheism, agnosticism, evolution, and vain philosophies of life, they will inevitably and ultimately go into deception and start walking into delusion. A reality is happening right before our very eyes now, seniors, I want you to look at this. I know you guys are going to different colleges, and sometimes we think that when we 're in the Bible belt that we don't have anything to worry about, and that could be farther from the truth. Look at these statistics among college professors around twenty five percent of college professors are professing. Atheists or agnostics. Only 6% of college professors say that the Bible is actually the Word of God. 51% describe the Bible as an ancient book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts. Now, if your professor is represented in this particular uh, group here, and they challenge you in these areas, do you have the ability, the knowledge, the, the, the uh, intelligence and the conviction to be able to dispute that what you believe is true? If you don't, you should be concerned. Because believe me, it's going to be tested The first philosophy class that I took at Eastern Kentucky University was a blatant and complete denial of the existence of God and the the worst of religion. Very first one. But there's going to be other classes that you're going to take that's going to challenge your view of creation. Creation. The existence of God, absolute truths, morality, sexuality, your views of those things. If you don't know what you believe, how can you possibly defend it? And parents, if you don't know what you believe, how can you possibly lead your children in the right direction when they come to you for questions? See, parents that view the church as optional should not be surprised when their children view Jesus as unnecessary. Let me say that again. People that view the church as optional should not be shocked or concerned when their children view Jesus as unnecessary. I have very serious conversations with my children. I mean, it's a privilege to raise my children in church, but I don't want them to learn how to do church. That's one of the most dangerous and deadly things that could ever happen is that our children become church people. They become religious. They know how to blend in, to go through the motions. See, right now you're in a a safe, comfortable place. But when your faith is put on the spot, when your faith is challenged, when somebody comes up and confronts you about what you believe and your child comes to you and says, this is what my professor said, that the Bible is just this and blah, 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 and religion has is, uh, is caused more problems and, and, and hurt more people than, than any of the wars that have ever happened. Can you explain to them why that is wrong? Can you defend the faith? If not, I would take a serious look within my own self and see if you're where you need to be with the Lord or if you just learned how to do church because the thing is this the Bible teaches us that we reproduce after our own kind question is what kind are you? What kind are you? Now, I'm not trying to blast you, but I am trying to awaken you that this is a real reality that's happened. It's dangerous, and delusion actually, literally, it happens. Now, this is what Paul said in the verses prior to that. Here's the solution to not being deceived by philosophies of men by tradition of men by by vain philosophies by by hearing a secular humanistic kind of, uh, 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 of teaching he says this as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord so walk also in him being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving so the question is this young people and adults alike are you rooted grounded and established in the faith that is your only hope that is your only option it's your only opportunity is being rooted grounded established in the faith because just like Jesus prayed for Peter he said Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat I can promise you parents that's exactly what he is saying to us today concerning our children and the question is when Satan goes after your children what are you going to do about it? It's just it's a real reality. Again, I wanted to preach something different, but this is what I felt like the Lord laid on my heart. Now, here's the last thing. The danger of falling away, the delusion of falling away, and the defense of falling away, against falling away. Sooner or later, you're going to have to defend what you believe. All of us. And when's the last time you have been confronted by somebody that believed contrary to you and you were able to do what 1 Peter 3.15 says? Now, the last part of that scripture, let's just read it, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. To everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you, which it says, in meekness and fear. In other words, don't get all puffed up in your religious pride and give people a piece of your Christian mind because you'll just turn them off and you will just drive them farther away. But since you need to be ready to give a defense... Coming to church, listening to preaching, singing songs does not prepare you to make a defense. You have to do that by your own individual efforts. You have to prepare your own self. You have to be ready your own self. There's four things here. This is our defense. Number one, or A... Study the faith. Your commitment to the Word of God is a reflection of your commitment of the, to the God of the Word. Your commitment to the Word of God is a reflection of your commitment to the God of the Word. Here's my question. Based upon your commitment to the Word of God... How committed are you to the God of the Word? The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2, it says, Study to show yourselves approved unto God. He says, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. There's no trying in Christianity, only training. So we've got to study. There's a difference between studying... In hearing a sermon. There's a difference between studying and listening to a podcast. All those things can be resources to you and can be helpful, but it doesn't make you a student of the Word. You know, you've heard me say this many, many times. Surely, if we believed God wrote a book, we would do what? I mean, really. If you really believed that God wrote this book, how could you not read it? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. Have you read it? From cover to cover? If you've not, you can't say that. It's quiet up in here, but I'm just... just—I'm. This is coming out of love. But... If you believed it, surely you'd read it. I was telling my brother here uh, earlier today about how after I got saved, I relapsed four times. Now, when I first got saved, I hated to read. I mean with a passion. I would rather do anything than read. I've got a college degree and never read a book ever in my life. I'm I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating. The first book I ever read from the first page of the last page was the book of Luke. And so what I would do was I would study the chapter reviews. And if I knew the chapter reviews, I, I would know enough to be able to make a C. And so my philosophy of education, and I don't recommend this for anybody else, was... A person that makes an A in this class and a person that makes a C in this class gets to go to the next grade, right? Well, I wasn't interested in being an A Christian. Because an A Christian and a C Christian, short, they get to go to the same heaven, right? I'm thinking about, I mean, I set the bar real high. I'm looking at, I would take a 70. 70, that would get me through that. And so here's what I said, me being in my own brilliance just got saved, never read the Bible, I said to myself, (laughs) it's even funnier when I think about it. Here's what I'm going to do. I know everything in the Bible has happened up until the book of Revelation, which is the chapter review. So I thought, I will read the chapter review. It gets better. In King James Version... So I'll be ready when any kind of test or temptation comes my way. Well, I get about eight, ten chapters in. And I start reading about ten-headed monsters, bowls of wrath, vials of this. And I'm going, I ain't even saved. I'm worse off now than when I first started to read. And then I almost made these famous last words. I said, I'm going to try to do this without reading the Bible. You can let me know how that works out for you. But I relapsed four times after that. But I really loved Jesus. But I got broken down to the point to where, you know what? I do not want to be... A hypocrite. I wasn't a hypocrite when I served the devil. I was wholehearted, completely devoted. Listen, when I got saved, the devil called a meeting in hell and told the demons, we've lost a good man today. I was as shocked as they were, I can promise you that much. And I said, if I can't be the same way for Jesus then I'm not going to do this at all. I'm going to go back to living the way that I did before. Because if I'm going to give my life to Jesus, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. He deserves it. And then I remember the first time I ever felt God speak to me, I was substitute teaching for Pat Birchall in a computer class. And I felt like God said to me, again... I had no Bible knowledge. Nothing about God speaking. Nobody taught me none of this stuff. But I felt God say, what you read about my life? And I went, I mean, I'm walking down the hall. I mean, I can see it right now plain as day. I'm walking down the hall to go to lunch. I mean, and I stopped right in the middle of the hall. I went, what in the world was that? I mean, yeah, think about this. I never had a biblical thought in my life. I never thought about anything. It blew my mind. I went, and I went, I know that didn't come from me. Again, I'm smart. I knew that didn't come from me. I sure know it didn't come from the devil. And that moment changed my life because as soon as I committed reading the Bible, to reading the Bible, I never relapsed again. That's how much confidence I have in the Word of God is that anybody that is genuinely open-minded enough Seeking truth, if they will open up the pages with an unbiased, undiluted mindset and open-heartedness to truth, there's no doubt in my mind that 100% will be saved because the Word of God is just that life transforming. So we got to study it. Second thing is we got to show it. The Bible says faith without works is what? If you want to gauge what you believe, you can gauge it by this. You only live what you believe. Everything else is just religious talk. You only believe what you live. Because the faith you show is the faith you know. If there's no faith shown in the way you live your life, it's probably because there's no faith in your heart. Because faith in the heart produces fruit in your life. So we got to study it. We've got to show it. Number three, we've got to stand for it. A day's coming when it's going to cost you something To be a Christian. It's gonna it's gonna require you to take a stand. And for you to stand for truth, you are gonna be labeled as a bigot, a hate monger, prejudice, racist, whatever. You're gonna be named you're gonna be you're gonna be labeled because here's the truth. Truth sounds like hate to people who hate truth. But you're gonna have to stand for it. It's going to cost you something. Here's the last thing. last thing is, you've got to share it. Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If your faith isn't touching somebody else, it's probably because your faith has never touched you. How can we say we love him and ignore them? How can we say we love the Savior while ignoring the ones who came to save? That's contradictory. It's not true. They can come to the music. We hear over and over and over again, I told Clay I was going to be done by 11.45. If you don't believe in God, there's your evidence. The question is, it's not, were you saved? The question is, are you saved? And when it comes to the faith... The scripture says, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. I mean, I could preach a whole message on on just statistics alone. But statistics doesn't change anybody. God does. So the question is this. When your faith is challenged, will you be able to defend it? Will you be able to defend it? Seniors, your faith is going to be tested like it's never been tested before. And parents, if there's ever a time for us to be serious about our relationship with God, and serious about raising our children in the ways of God and being able to be there for our children when they have questions, it's right now. I just showed you, 90% of the teenagers that are a part of church programs in high school never return back to church after their sophomore year of college that should concern you these are eternally significant issues and there's nothing I can say to you that would make it any more serious than what I can tell you right now so we need to pray for them we need to teach them we need to be that example to them and I know we've got some great young people honorable, godly, love Jesus. But just because you're godly, you love Jesus, and you've been raised in church doesn't mean that you're not going to be tested when you leave. you transition into college life your faith is going to be put to the test like it's never been put to the test and I don't want you to go in there blindfolded and I didn't want to come this morning and and just give you some happy you know watered down you know thumbs up message although I want to encourage you I want to celebrate with you but I also we know that love wins but love also warns and so I want to give you those things and we want to pray for you but before we do that let's just all stand I'm going to pray I'm going to open up the front for those of you that want to pray yourselves and then we're going to transition into the gifts presentation and then we're going to pray for our seniors will be dismissed let's pray father I feel your spirit. I sense your spirit. And I know you're bringing conviction in our hearts. And Lord, we need more than conviction. We need a legitimate burden. And we don't have it. We're so busy in our careers. So busy in our extracurricular activities. So busy just in the normal life, our culture breeds busyness. And busyness is not from the devil. Busyness is the devil. And I ask you to help us to slow down, to take a step back, to evaluate our lives, and to examine and to see if we are where we need to be in our relationship with you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ... As your personal Lord and Savior If you don't have a hundred percent assurance you may be raised in church you, you may know all the scriptures You may memorize some But listen, that doesn't change your heart If you're here this morning And you don't know Jesus And God is dealing with you On the count of three I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand straight up And straight back down This doesn't save you it Doesn't do anything But it just lets us know that you're here We're not going to point you out we're going to pray. So on the count of three, if you know that you're not saved, that God's dealing with you, He's bringing conviction in your life, and today you want to make things right with God, on the count of three, just your hands straight up and straight back down. One, two, three. Just your hands straight up. Amen. The rest of you, Are you able to defend the faith? Are you able to steer your children in the right direction? Not just about moral issues. not just about love. I'm talking about the faith. They're going to sing a song. i are going to open this up for prayer.